0: This is Chris Brooks. Thank you for listening to this edition of Equip. Be sure and subscribe for free so that you don't miss an episode. For more information, visit our website, equipradio.org. Well, hey there, friends. Welcome to another exciting edition of Equip with Chris Brooks. I am so thrilled that you joined me today. Can you do me a favor Strap on your seatbelt, let's navigate through the contours of culture, as always with the lens of the biblical worldview on. But before we do that, let me remind you, this is the day that the Lord has made. He has given it as a gift so that you and I can rejoice and be glad in it. So let's do just that. Let's follow the words of the Apostle Paul. Let's rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And with that, I welcome you. Into what will be a very, very interactive, not only day for Equip, but year. Happy New Year again from our hearts to yours. And we welcome you into what will be, again, I think, a pretty landmark year. Welcome to 2024. And you know, it's this time of year where I get a chance to forecast a little bit of what I think our hearts need to be prepared for, what's on the horizon for this year. And we're going to dive into what I believe will be the biggest story of 2024 that you and I need to be spiritually, mentally, emotionally, and relationally prepared for. But before we dive into that, let me start by saying thank you one last time. Thank you for what was an amazing 2023. Your prayers, your interaction, your support, your generosity uh, is an absolute blessing to our team. I say it, I try to say it every day that we recognize we are here because of God's grace and because of you, because of his Generous love through you to this program, the fact that you listen, the fact that you, many of you comment, call in, participate, um, support our guests, read the resources that we put out, all of those things are not taken for granted. We are extremely grateful for you, and it is our commitment every day to make sure that Equipped is edifying that it is equipping you to more effectively live, share, and defend your faith in a rapidly changing world that is full of its own complexities and controversies. But we want you to be confident and competent in your witness for Jesus Christ. So just know that we love you. And man, what a year we have planned. We have so many guests and and, uh, topics that we want to cover because the world demands that Christians are thoughtful that we don't leave our minds at home. As you know, those of you who have been around uh, equipped for some time now, and it's hard to believe, but we're going into our seventh year uh, this year. Those of you who have been around know that we try to do two things. We want to make sure that you are compassionate on one hand, that you uh, lead with the love of Jesus Christ and all that you do, but that you're a critical thinker on the other. I never want you to leave your mind at home. I want you to take your mind with you and engage critically with compassion. And I think that those virtues go hand in hand. They are not mutually exclusive. You can be compassionate, loving, and committed to truth, critical thinker, and I want you to be both. And I want to make sure I'm doing all that I can to equip you to be both. Towards that end, before we dive into today's topic, I do want to make sure you mark your calendar Coming up in just a few short weeks, it's going to be our next Zoom webinar. Uh, And this one is really important, in particular of what's happening on the global landscape. It is entitled Understanding Islam. We're going to tackle that on February 1st. Coming up on February 1st, we want you to mark your calendar for uh, that Equipper Zoom webinar taking place as always immediately following the program. If we're going to understand global affairs, we need to know what's happening. If we're going to know, if we're going to have a Christian and biblical perspective about what's happening in the Middle East, in particular uh, between Israel, Palestine, and its surrounding neighbors, we need to understand Islam. And that's true for our country as well. More and more, the fact of the matter is, is that God has brought the world to our doorstep and our neighborhoods reflect the global community. So many of you that are listening to me have neighbors and coworkers and maybe even friends online that are uh, Muslim by faith. And I want to make sure that you understand how we can bear faithful witness to them and what we need to understand about that faith and that worldview. So please make sure you register. If you are a monthly partner, this is free for you. And so you should have received a email already, simply entitled Equipper Encouragement with registration details in it. So you can go there now and register. If you are not a monthly partner, don't fret. It's easy to become one. You can also be a part of this wonderful workshop where we're going to give fresh content that will help you to more effectively engage your Muslim neighbors, coworkers, and to engage intelligently about what's happening in the world around us. All you have to do is dial this number, 888-644-4144. That's 888-644-4144, or go to EquipRadio.org. So what's the biggest story of 2024 going to be? Well, uh, I'm not here to be a prophet, and I find that prognosticating is um, is a foolhardy endeavor. But I will say that if we are just prudent and we are mindful in the moment that we're living in, we would have to argue that what lies ahead for us is another political year. Another political year that is not a minor uh, political year, meaning that we're not just simply... Voting on a local level, uh, that is important. You guys know how important local politics are to my heart. I argue that they should take um, greater priority in many ways than national politics on, on a lot of levels. But yet I also will acknowledge that the election of a president is always a historical event. It shapes history. It shapes the generations that are to come. Each president, through their policies and through their personal character, has an enormous impact on our country and because of America's place in the world, has an enormous impact on the world. And so here's what I would love to do today. I would love to have a conversation with you at 877-548-3675 about how we can survive yet another political season without losing our witness. What's your game plan? What have you and I learned from past election years that we can carry into this election year? And let me just be more recent about this. What did we learn from 2020 that we can carry over? Uh, I'll be honest with you, I'm not a big fan when I look at uh, the way that the church responded in 2020. Um, uh, Some can say we responded with contention. Others would say we responded with confusion, but very few would say that the church was a voice of clarity and on an individual level that we were a voice of clarity, that you and I were a voice of clarity. And I want to be that. I want to strive to be that. And I think that in order to be that, we need to reflect on lessons learned, both the do's and the don'ts of how we engage. So here's the question for the day. How do you plan to engage politically this year without losing your witness? What are some of the things that you want to put in place to say, man, when I emerge after this year's election is all said and done, on the other side of that Super Tuesday, as they will call it, I want to emerge with my witness intact so that I can have a long-term effect on my neighbors, on those in my network, my coworkers, my family, my friends. What are you going to do to preserve and protect your witness in this year? I want to give you some things that I have been thinking about that I think also align themselves real faithfully with Scripture But before I do that, I want to first frame for you um, what I'm not arguing and what I am arguing. So the first thing that I want to say is this, is that I'm not arguing that every Christian should have the same approach to political engagement. This is something that is going to be tough for some of you, because if you've been taught that the way you approach Uh, political engagement is the only way to approach political engagement. I'm going to push back on that a little bit and say there have been various, I think, pretty credible schools of thought around this uh, throughout Christian history. Now, I'll tell you where I land in just a moment, but there's been broadly three major schools of thought as it pertains to political engagement, and you need to be aware of it, and you need to study Scripture to determine where you land on this, a theology, a political engagement. Now, America, because of our unique style of government, we are a democratic republic, meaning that we get a chance to have a government that is for the people, by the people. We elect representatives who are supposed to uh, represent our interest in Washington, D.C. We get a chance to have three branches of government that are separate uh, the but having equal distribution of power, this is this is all beautiful. Uh, this, this whole concept of limited government, all of that is beautiful, but it, it shapes the way we think about how people should engage as if there's only one way to engage. But here are the three broad ways that have been uh supported or argued over Christian history the first is separation. Now, often when we hear separation of church and state, we think of it in reverse. We think of those who don't want the church to have a voice in political matters. But I will say that there have, from the church side of things, throughout church history, been those who say, what does the church have to do with the government? What does the church have to do with politics? that we need to separate these things and that the job of the church is to simply to be a redemptive spiritual voice that is focused on the message of the gospel, the um, the call to repent and believe in the hearts and minds of men, and that we don't need to vote. We don't need to engage. Now, I'm not saying that that's where I stand. I'm just letting you know this is one of uh, the perspectives. This is kind of a separatist approach. One of the big advocates for it uh, was a theologian named John Howard Yoder. John Howard Yoder was a professor for many years at Notre Dame. He wrote uh, a lot and uh, is pretty pretty well respected. Uh, maybe his most popular book is called After Politics. And uh, in it, he argues that, man, the, the church needs to focus about her business of proclaiming Christ, bearing witness to Christ. We don't need to vote. And uh, this is historically called an Anabaptist approach. Uh, and Anabaptists are uh, considered to be pacifists, so they wouldn't support things like war or military engagement. And so that led them to say, we're not going to vote, we're not going to engage. So that's that's just one approach to political engagement is to say, you know, I think this world and its political systems are fallen. I'm a citizen of a different kingdom, uh, and I need to focus in on knowing Christ and making him known that is my responsibility. Let this world's politics crumble and fall. We're just going to support the politics of the kingdom. So that's one approach. On the other end of the spectrum, the approach would be what we would call today Christian nationalism, which is the overall thought of saying that that the government should fall s- subject to the church and that we need to not only vote, but we need to be actively involved in positions of authority as senators, as presidents. We should be electing Christian leaders into those positions so that ultimately we will have such a dominant influence that the government will fall subjective to the church. That's a second approach. And uh, there's a lot of folks who are arguing for that approach even today. This thought that the church needs to dominate uh, the, uh, the government. The other approach, and this was argued, the third approach, as you would imagine, is more of a centrist approach. This was argued by Abraham Kuyper, uh, the great Dutch theologian, and he argued a two-kingdom approach, two-kingdom approach. And what what he basically argued, and stay with me for just a moment, what he basically argued was we're citizens of two kingdoms, the redemptive kingdom of of heaven uh, and also the common kingdom of earth right? And we need to engage in a common kingdom to do common good, to love our neighbors, and voting and political engagement is one of the ways that we love our neighbors. We ultimately don't expect that our neighbors who are non-Christian are going to fall subject to the scriptures like we will as citizens of the redemptive kingdom. We do need to have laws in place that limit evil. I want to give you an opportunity during this break to guess which camp I fall into, I'll reveal the answer to that on the other side of this break. But I do want you to know these three schools of thought. Where do we go from here? I'm gonna share with you where I land and why. And then I wanna talk to you about some things that we should have in place to ensure that after this political season is over, that we haven't lost our souls, and we haven't lost our witness. What do you have in place to protect your heart, to protect your witness, Give us a call at 877-548-3675. Don't go anywhere. Much more to come next up on Equip. Every new year, we set goals and resolutions, but I've got one that every Christian needs to put on their list, Memorizing Scripture. It's a powerful and essential part of our spiritual growth. To show you how serious I am about it, I want to send you a book to help you get started. It's simply titled Memorizing Scripture. I'll send you a copy today with a gift of any amount. Call us at 888-644-4144 or go to equipradio.org. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks. Today we're talking about how to survive a political season without losing your witness or your soul. I want to hear from you. What do you have in place to protect your testimony and witness as we navigate yet another political year that's going to be historic, It's going to try to dominate and consume us? We need to be prepared. 877-548-3675. Hey, what are your goals for this year Um, as you uh, set out Maybe a resolution. Maybe you're not big on resolutions, but you are setting goals. What are they for this year? Some have health goals. I hope you lose those 20 to 30 pounds that you've been hoping to lose. Some have financial goals. Hopefully you can get out of debt or save that down payment or begin your retirement fund. Some have family goals. I think all of those are great, but I want to suggest a goal that I want us to do together, and that is memorizing Scripture. You know, Psalm 119 verse 11 says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. I love that Scripture. It reminds me of the importance of hiding the Word of God in my heart. Now, I also will say, as a man who's on the uh, north side of his 47th birthday, that the older I get, the harder it becomes to memorize Scripture. Uh, our brains are soft and pliable when we're young. But yet, as we get older, oftentimes we stop some of the disciplines that helped us to remember Scripture. So, let me ask you a question What was the last verse of Scripture you memorized? Well, all month long, we're going to be uh, teaching you tips and techniques for memorizing Scripture as we discuss the basics, the blessings, and the benefits of meditating on God's Word. Glenna Marshall has written a book. She's going to be joining me later this week to walk us through how we can better memorize Scripture. But I'd love to send this complimentary gift to you for those who support the program. And it has some great tips in here. For example, repetition. Imagine uh, if you said Psalm 23 and 1 multiple times every day. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Imagine doing that multiple days uh, and uh, what that would do in your heart, in your mind, as you meditated deeply on the truth of that promise that the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. We want to help you to internalize the Word of God, to renew your mind according to God's Word. If you'd like to get a copy of this book and support the program, call us today with your most generous tax-deductible gift at 888-644-4144. That's 888-644-4144, or go to EquipRadio.org. Let's go to the phone line. Sherry is listening uh, in Illinois. Sherry, thank you so much for listening to Equip. So what's your comment? What's your plan this year, Sherry?
1: my plan okay well i love your resolution for one thing because that's actually one that our pastor talked about over the weekend about that just to be more like jesus and as yes. we do that going into what is going to be a hostile political year yes. um i think we just have to lead with truth and we have to lead with um grace and civility mm which is what I hope we learned from
0: 2020.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Seems like 2020 really exposed a lot of bad, bad stuff in us as believers.
0: Yeah. You know, uh, I could have you co-host with me, Sherry, because the things you're saying is so in line and in tune with my heart. I'm so grateful that you called and that you're our first caller of the day and of the new year. So, Congratulations on having that distinction, Sherry, but amen to everything that our sister Sherry just said to us. Now, I want to just pull out a couple of things that she said. Number one is let's memorize scripture. Let's meditate deeply on the word of God. Um, I, I just think when it comes to scripture, so often we engage sentimentally, but not seriously. And what I mean by that is that we have a, a, a view of Scripture that is more us cherry-picking verses of Scripture that align with what we want to see accomplished. Instead of going to the Word of God and asking the question, what if Jesus was serious and what does it look like for me to submit my will to his Word instead of asking him to submit his will to my Word. So I think that that's important. But then the second thing that Sherry said that I really want us to consider if we're going to survive another political season is um, let's stay connected in community to the local church. She referenced her pastor. She referenced her local church. One of the things that I think happened in 2020 is churches begin to almost implode on each other, having a civil war type of level of contention divided along partisan lines. But if we're supposed to be a household of faith, that's the way Paul describes the body of Christ in 1 Timothy chapter 3, that we're a household of faith. If we're supposed to be a household of faith, if we're supposed to be a spiritual family, then that means that we're going to have to love and, and, and hold tight to one another, even through differences. Now, I told you when you came back from the break that I wanted to tell you what camp I fell into, between the three, of separation, Christian nationalism, two-kingdom approach. And I would say that I fall more into the two-kingdom approach from this perspective. I do believe that we are citizens of heaven. I also believe that we have an earthly, you can call it, as Paul did, an ambassadorship, if you will, here on earth. We're ambassadors here on earth. But I think that we need to think about the common good when we vote, that when we vote, and I do believe that we should, that it's a matter of stewardship. It's a matter of loving our neighbors as ourselves. Now, again, I won't be as dogmatic about that as some because I don't believe that the ultimate hope for this world is going to come through my vote. I think the ultimate hope for this world is going to come through Jesus. Uh, the um, repentance from dead works, the salvation and redemption that he provides to men and women as we turn from sin to Christ for salvation, um, and ultimately Mm -hmm. the redemption and hope that comes through his return. But I do believe until he comes back that I need to vote as a way of loving my neighbor as myself. And so that's what I'm after throughout this political year, I'm after what will be the best way for me ex- for me to express my love for my neighbor through the way that I vote And if I do that, I think that on the other side of this I can come out with my witness intact. doesn't mean that man I'm going to be perfect in everything but it does mean that my heart and my loves will be aligned correctly. I want to hear from you. Such great insight from Sherry. I want to hear from you. What are you doing to protect your heart and not lose your soul in yet another uh, political year? The phone number is 877-LIVE-675-877-548-3675. Sherry said, I'm staying connected to my church. I'm memorizing scripture. I'm going to tell you the number one thing I'm going to do on the other side of this break, but I want to hear from you. How are you going to protect your heart from becoming consumed, bitter, callous, contentious, so that you can reflect the character of Christ? Or have we learned nothing from 2020 or previous election years? We know politics have become our favorite sport in America we play it 24 hours a day, seven days a week on social media. But how do we as Christians behave differently as Christ followers? 877-548-3675. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks. Starting out a fresh year. Committed to Christ, excited about what he has in store, trusting him for his faithfulness, but also anticipating. Anticipating uh, what will be another political year. For some of you, the excitement of um, being able to vote for the most important offices in the land. For some, the concern over the divisions and contentiousness that no doubt comes with a political season. Listen, we're still recovering, I think, in many ways from 2020. And some will say that uh, that lingers. And so what have we learned as we seek to engage politically without losing our witness or our souls in the process? I want to hear from you at 877-548-3675. That's 877 live 675 Uh, We've had some really good comments already, so I'd love to hear your comments. So what are you doing? What do you have in place to protect and guard your heart in this upcoming year from bitterness, from cynicism, from unnecessary divisions within your own family and household and church? I want to hear from you. Um, I would also say this, that social media is a great place for us to engage uh, at Equipped radio on Facebook and Twitter equipped radio equipped radio Facebook and Twitter I know those are the old names of those platforms but call me old I still use them but you can call them Meta and X if you want and so I'd love to hear your comments there as well 8775483675 All right, if if voting is if 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 what I'm arguing is right that voting is about stewardship About fulfilling the second commandment, loving my neighbor as myself, then what do I need to have in place to do that well? Well, part of what I'm going to argue is that if your church is a reflection of your community, and I hope that that it is in many ways, I hope that your church, you're a part of a church that is actively reaching and engaging your community around the gospel, then just the habit of being in fellowship. And in real communion and community, with your local church is a very, very positive and powerful thing. This is one of the ways that I can know what's affecting my neighbor. You know, um, we have a pretty um, large Latino population in the community that I live in. And I was talking to a brother in Christ who is uh, Latino, and, um, and we were talking about— Man, what are the issues that are of concern for him, right, and his family? And he brought up some things that um, I wouldn't have been naturally mindful of. And so now, as a, as a Christian getting ready to vote, part of what I need to ask myself is, what does it mean for me to vote in a way that loves him and his family well? In other words, what I'm arguing is that voting should not just be selfish, It should be, certainly you have your family in mind, your desires and intents in mind, but it should ultimately be, how can I vote in a way that produces flourishing, that aligns with God's word, ways, and will. The second thing I want to argue is that while we're having many political conversations, that we not forget the fruit of the Spirit. That we bring the fruit of the Spirit to everything we do, including disagreements. That the fruit of the Spirit is for all human and social interaction. That we need to pray for the fruit of the Spirit to be evident in our lives so that when people walk away, even people who you would strongly disagree with, that they would walk away saying, man, I am so... Uh, I I respect and I'm so grateful for the way he or she disagreed. Don't forget the fruit of the Spirit. Don't leave home, as one commercial said, without it. Make sure you keep the fruit of the Spirit even in your political disagreements. I love what uh, 1 Peter 3.15 says, and then I'm going to go to the phone lines. 1 Peter 3.15 tells us to set apart Christ in our hearts and always be willing to give a defense or a reason for the hope that lies within us, but we're to do it with gentleness and with meekness. So we, even in the way that we are supposed to witness, are to be different, we're supposed to have the fruit of the spirit. Let's go to the phone lines. Ashley is listening in Chicago. Hey, Ashley, thank you so much for listening to Equip. So what's your comment, Ashley?
2: Um, I was going to mention how uh, our first responsibility um, as Christians and to follow Christ is to lay down our lives. And that includes Mm -hmm. laying down our pride and laying down the rights that we think we have to be angry or to argue, but we also have the right to listen and to have compassion and the right to have mercy. Um, And we automatically go to those rights that usually are selfish, Um, but that's for me, like I've been, that was one of my new year's resolutions this year was to not be so quick to anger. And I have quite the temper. Um, but I know that it's also caused a lot of issues within family, within, um, just other relationships to be quick, to be angry about things and not to listen. And it affects my witness and and I always have to, you know, I have to go back and apologize if I choose to go yeah. back and apologize, yeah. but yeah. just willing to to listen. And I don't always tell people my political beliefs. I listen to a lot of people first, and then yes. if they ask me, then I tell them. Um, but I'm not quick to tell people how I feel about things because I do know it's the unpopular opinion. There's only been a few times where I've really said, "Well, you know what?" When they talk about pro life or whatever, and I just say, "You know what? I am pro life. I'm not just." pro-life for, for children that are in the womb. I'm pro-life outside in this world because there's a soul. There's, there yeah. is, um, a creation that God has made who and God loves. And he has, if he's concerned about those things, being Christ-like needs to also be concerned about those things as well.
0: First off, I, I just want to say, um, Ashley, well stated the way that you articulate your heart and your tone, all of those things are so commendable. So I, I think not only the content of what you're saying, but how you're modeling it is, is such a blessing. I'll take your word for it when you say that you have a temper, but certainly uh, it didn't show in this conversation. And so I'm encouraged by just your temperament and, and your heart. Um, it caused me to think of James one nineteen In the book of James Uh, There's this admonishment. He says, know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. I love that formula that he lays out. And I'm sure he wasn't thinking formulaically, um, but, but certainly relationally, there's a lot of wisdom there. And you just modeled that, that if we are slow to speak, just to kind of say less, to listen more, And then certainly when asked our opinion, uh, when the door is open for us to share, for us to be able to do that. But remember, our goal is not to win arguments uh, as a first priority. Our goal is to win people as a first priority. So any stance that you have, any conviction that you have that lacks a clear demonstrable love for people as its motivation, is, uh, is, is not only going to not be received, but I think it causes you to lose your witness. In other words, if we lose sight of why we are pro-life, if you're, if you're pro-life like I am, like Ashley is, if you stand for the sanctity of life, why is that? It's because men and women are created in an image of God. Well, one of the greatest ways for me to affirm that is in how I treat, in particular, those who disagree with me. And so I commend you, Ashley, for the wisdom you just shared for your call. It's it's richly encouraging. Thanks for giving us a call. Let's go to Florida. Suzanne is listening in Florida, and I want to hear her comment. Suzanne, thank you so much for listening to Equip. What's your comment? Well, thank you for my call.
1: I'm Well, it was just I think providential that this came on and I had the opportunity to listen to you right after I just finished that list of how do I be intentional before the Lord uh, this year. And um, so, I mean, just finished it. And so, of course, uh, my husband and I uh, intentionally last year started doing devotions together for the first time after 25 years as Christians. And so we decided we're going to sit down and add to this. And so our first one was, make sure that we are um, confessed up daily (laughs) and seeking the Lord daily, personally. And from there, strengthen our marriage. I believe there's a, a hierarchy of what the Lord wants us to do. And so after strengthening our marriage before the Lord, with the Lord, then check on our relationship with our church. Are we committed to the church, not just going to church on Sundays or whatever? Are we making a difference? Are we part of the ministries? And from that, how are we ministering in our community and from our local community to the United States that the Lord has blessed us with many things that we have the opportunity to do and don't do as Christians. We need to read up and know the issues and write our congressmen and write our senators encouraging as well as admonishing, admonishing, whatever, correcting. Admonishing. Yeah. Yep yeah uh, and you know writing them but first before all of that starting with prayer because yeah, yeah. if we're not speaking the lord's words then we better shut up <laughs> yeah and so i have actually we have put on the calendar uh, a certain amount of time every day to do those personal things mm. and then either weekly or or uh, monthly or depending on each of our schedules when we're going to um write congress people or Right. And then after all of that, once we've been accountable to do what we've been gifted by the Lord to do, then we can go on Facebook and encourage others to do the th- same thing prayerfully and lovingly. So that's our, our, our way to try to be intentional and bring the light of the Lord into personal lives as well as our community. So that's what we're doing.
0: Well, we let, let, let me down. say this. <laughs> let me just say this, Suzanne. Um, I'm a pastor, and I wish that every member of my church could model what you just said and uh, the commitments that you and your husband just made. I am so grateful for what you just shared. Now, obviously, none of us are going to live these things perfectly, but what you just laid out I think is a beautiful framework. For those of you who were kind of following, I was making notes as Suzanne was talking. Uh, I loved that she started with her own heart, humility, confessing your own sins, I just think if we stay in a posture of humility, um, man, we're going to be able to survive this season with our witness intact, with our soul intact, Uh, understanding, Lord, it's first me that's in need of prayer. It's not just my neighbor that I'm trying to change. It's, It's me. And then she went to family, making sure that her, her husband, her family, her children, all of them are ministered to and encouraged and that they are mindful of the call of Christ in their own home, never forget the power you have in your own home and in your own family. Ground zero for changing this nation has never been and will never be Washington, D.C. or your state capital. Ground zero, as much power as those places have, but ground zero for changing our country, our nation, our community is our home. And if we win our home, we'll win the world. Then she says, going from the family to the church, making sure I'm a a good member of my local church. How are we going to ever be good citizens if we're not good members of our local church? Uh, We can't sit on the sidelines. We need to be engaged. And if you have not found a church that fits you, keep looking. But don't give up on the church because it's God's plan, not ours. It's God's. And then she thought about our community and then the country. I love this framework, and uh, one of the greatest things we can do for our country is know our political leaders and pray for them by name. Not just those that we agree with, but those that we disagree with. Let me leave you with this the, this question before we come back from this last break, before we take this last break, when was the last time you prayed for the president, the vice president? those that are on the Supreme Court. By name. When was the last time you prayed for your senators or representatives? By name. Let's do that. Let's pray for their families. Let's pray for their hearts. Let's pray for the same grace that saved us to save them. We'll be right back. Friends, I want to take a moment to invite you to our next Equipper webinar coming up on Thursday, February 1st, right after the program. With the spread of Islam, it's crucial that you and I are equipped to think and speak biblically about this religion. And I'll also explain the history and teaching of the Muslim faith. Bring your questions and join the discussion about understanding Islam. Equippers, look for an email from me with the registration details for this free interactive webinar. Now, if you're not an equipper or one want to attend, become a monthly partner by calling 888-644-4144 or go online to EquipRadio.org. First Timothy 2 and 2 says, Pray for kings and all those in authority. That we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. Now, you may remember in the first segment of today's program, I said, Be careful how you apply scripture, understanding that we have to ask the question what did it mean to the original audience before we try to apply it to us? What did it mean to them then and there before we ask what does it mean to us here and now? And if we do that with this scripture, we have to recognize they lived in an entirely different political environment. We don't have a king here. Uh, We have elected officials that we get a chance to vote in and out based off of term limits and all of those wonderful things. And I praise God to live in a country that affords me those freedoms. But they lived in an entirely different environment. Now, with that being said, even as difficult as the political environment was for them to live under... Christians were still expected to reflect the character of Christ. And one of the ways that we did that is to pray for those who are in authority, not simply to uh, blindly align ourselves with them as if they were the Messiah. Christians were known, and some would even call us subversive because we wouldn't say that Caesar was Lord. We would only say Jesus is Lord. So let's make sure we're not guilty. Of saying that our party is Lord or our political leader of of either party is Lord. Jesus is Lord. He alone is Lord. But let's make sure as well that we are praying for our leaders. They should find us faithful in prayer. Phone number 877-548-3675. Jessica, I'll give you the final word in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Hey, Jessica, thank you so much for listening today. What's your comment?
1: Okay, uh, this was part of my devotion this morning, um, and so God gave me this verse this morning and I wrote it down. Um, and it you know really goes with today's um, message from you. Um, Ephesians, Ephesians four it says, "Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to yes. their needs." so
0: that they may hear and listen and be blessed. Yes, that's so good. I'm so glad you wrote that down. Number one, you're memorizing scripture, which we're encouraging folks to do all year long. So thank you for reminding us of that, Jessica. And I I just want to, for a moment, consider what Ephesians 429 is telling us to do. Don't let unwholesome talk, corrupting talk, evil talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up. So that means before I speak, I need to think and I need to ask myself, is what I'm about to say going to be edifying, or am I just piling on to all the negativity in the culture and world around me? And I think that pertains in our DNA to so not just speech that comes out of our mouth, but even how we post. Consider WWJD, what would Jesus do? You remember those bracelets. Well, how would Jesus post is another question we can ask or what would he say? Jessica, thank you for reminding us of that. I want to leave leave you with two things before we wrap up this important discussion. We should anticipate this is going to be a contentious year. So one of the ways that we can bear faithful witness to Christ is 1 Peter 1 and 3, and that is to remember we've been born again to a living hope. Being a hope-filled people is going to stand out. And our hope is wholly wrapped up in the person, work, and future return of Christ. How can I be hopeful? It's because my hope is ultimately based not on the politics of this world, but on the higher politics, the politics of the kingdom of heaven. Become consumed with that as you study Scripture. And then finally, and I think this is really, really important, is for us to make sure that we are people who remember where the real power lies. Ultimately, transformation of our world starts with the transformation of our heart and our homes. Let's focus in on that. So when we vote, let's vote in a way that loves our neighbors as ourselves, but let's also make sure that we are bearing faithful witness to Jesus Christ. I think if we do that, we'll survive this political season with our witness and our souls intact. Friends, so grateful that you've joined us today. Don't forget the journey we're on this month. We're memorizing scripture. Let's memorize scripture together. I want to give you the tips, the techniques for how to do it so that you can experience the blessing, the benefits of memorizing scripture. Find out more. I'll send you this great book by Glenna Marshall. If you dial 888-644-4144, go to equipradio.org. Until we're together again next time, as always, remember, Equip with Chris Brooks is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.